welcome everybody to episode 140, 140 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features David and Ben. And tonight, Ben, what are we going to discuss? We are going to talk about Orphan 55. Ah. Mm, he was the green-haired kid, right? Uh, he's... <laughs> Who was Orphan 55? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the green-haired kid is in uh, His Dark Materials. He's one of the main kids in the new Philip Pullman adaptation oh, on HBO he? and the BBC. Yeah. What's, what know. is his familiar? Um, well, because he's a kid, it changes it changes shape. Oh, okay. I'm not really yeah, that yeah. familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So your demon, it only becomes a fixed animal when you reach puberty. Hmm. And they're and then they're doing something to cut the link with the demons or something. Yeah, yeah. To release an immense, it's kind of like nuclear fission or something to release an immense amount of energy hmm. to access parallel universes, um, but also to placate the alternate universe Catholic Church, um, which since uh, demons are connected to kind of puberty, they're also sort of connected to original sin, Mm. etc., etc., etc. If you're not watching His Dark Materials on HBO, um, our listener... We've just um, spoiled it for you. (laughs) No, it's... I mean, you've probably read the books, so I don't think you can spoil, like, something that's been out for 25 years. Um, it's, It's kind of a good watch. And it's all, of course, made in Cardiff. So prizes are given for people who can spot Doctor Who locations. Ah, and this uh, young actor, Lewin Lloyd, is now a Doctor Who actor. So And now he's a Doctor Who actor And that, that was too, Silas, yeah. right? Silas, yeah. So, I mean, presumably he was mooching around the Dark Materials set. And they're going, hang on, stick this green wig on. <laughs> we're, we're now going to have you in Doctor Who with that mm-hmm. bloke out of the in-betweeners. Yeah. So I guess the actor's name is Lewin Lloyd. Lewin Lloyd, that's it. He's very good. He's very self-assured mm-hmm. in his dark materials and you know since he's what appears to be a very tiny child um he did a very good job yeah yeah there were too many characters sorry are we gonna we're, let's well, well why not yeah let's get it. there were too many characters i'm sorry i know it's supposed to be a hotel or something it's supposed to be a thing a resort of some kind so they have to, they have to be people at the resort but there were way too many characters for me to get my head around Hmm. I think for me, there was too many people in the TARDIS, not so much too many people at the resort, because there wasn't any more people at the resort than we had on the Titanic in Voyage of the Damned. Right. Yeah, but the thing about Voyage of the Damned is that, so what was irritating me about about this, which I thought this was an okay enough episode, to be honest, so I'll put it out there. But what they did well with Voyage of the Damned is that it's the Titanic, it's got lots of people on it, Right. Um, pretty much everyone dies. Right. So we then have a small amount of people that we can actually pay attention to. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me on this, there didn't seem to be that many people at the resort and then not enough of them died um, so that we had too many people to care about. We had green-haired man, in between his green-haired man, Silas's child, uh, the kind of woman in charge, um, right. Ryan's love interest, the irritating old people. Where's Benny? Uh, <laughs> the bloke who was driving the van. The woman who was either dressed up as a chipmunk or was a chipmunk. I couldn't. I thought she was John Candy's character from Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She could have been. I mean, and that, again, I'm afraid kind of bugged me a little bit because early on, like 10 years ago, we established a pretty high bar for Doctor Who characters who are animals with the cat nuns. Mm-hmm. And the cat people, basically. Um, I was squinting at that makeup job, and I couldn't decide, again, whether it was, you know, a cat person or a chipmunk person 
or it was someone who was just a furry from some kind of furry convention. I think the, it was a the furry. The makeup job was that bad. No, I I'm think afraid. it was a furry. Really? And then, so that wasn't really explained. Is there a convention going on? So there's too many people, too many people. I just think that this is room for all, uh, embracing an identity. Somebody wants to go full furry, so I like the tale. in the future, they can go full furry. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so that's all right. So let's. Well, that's that. That's been explained away. So it's not a bad makeup job. It's someone who's decided to dress up like a chipmunk for a bit, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So too many people to care about, to be honest. And then you got the whole Tardis crew, um, right. who again, you know, they split up, and you know, Ryan has gotten has now got some kind of weird girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. But <laughs> Ryan and Yaz should be dating. That why isn't that happening? Because Yaz's sister has something for Ryan, and Ryan's interested in Yaz's sister, and... Let's keep it in the TARDIS team. Let's not get them romantically uh, interested yeah. with other people. I don't think Yaz is necessarily interested in guys, to be uh, honest with you. I think they're revising it, and uh, she's very... I mean, her mom thought there was something between her and yeah. the doctor, and well, I... I and she doesn't really talk about stuff with her family. So my thinking is that she is, if if she isn't, if she wasn't written that way in series eleven, she is being written that way in series twelve. See, I was detecting a little bit of sexual frisson between her and O. Of course, before O revealed himself to be the master. Um, she. It seemed to me that she was just kind of clueless that he was coming on to her. Right, because I guess he is. Or he, not that interested. He, he but... is the master, so of course he would come on to her because he's evil. <laughs> so you know, um, a lot of characters. Lot of characters... 45, 46 minutes to squeeze it all in. Not particularly well directed, I'm afraid, Mr. Director Man. Can't remember your name, obviously. Um, Director was uh, who we had last week, uh, Lee Haven Jones. I thought it was a bit choppy. There were two monster shots. One close up on drippy monster face. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the second monster shot was like a bunch of monsters waving their hands in the air and going, Doing the wave, monster wave. Doing the monster wave. The drag wave. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, obviously we, we can get straight into this right now, but as everyone knows, Doctor Who monsters are kind of roughly divided into kind of monsters and villains. Right. And when you just have straight monsters, that's a, that's a tough one. It's tough to have a bunch of monsters. Right. Because monsters are basically people in suits um, <laughs> and they can't really move that quickly. Right. So they're not that threatening. They're slow zombies, basically. Mm-hmm. So... We're probably going to talk about this later on, but, you know, Curse of Fenric, they're zombies. They're kind of vampire zombies, mm-hmm. but but zombies are vampires anyway, and vampires are zombies. They're hemovores. So they move slowly, and that's fine, basically. It's a good reference, too, because it's an another alternative fate of humanity. We've had now several, uh, three really dark ones with the Toclophane and then the hemovores, and now with the dregs. There isn't an absence of dark prognostication for the future for humanity from Doctor Who writers. No, and of course, you know, we have Evil 1980 um, from um, Pyramids of Mars, as opposed to like regular 1980, which was just as evil. But in the other ones, yeah. But in the other ones, like uh, Curse of Fenric and then Utopia, etc., uh, it's all humans doing it to themselves. With uh, Pyramid of Mars, it is a, you know, a god from the dawns of time that destroys. Yeah, but I mean, let's, let's, let's think of other Earths. So we have the whole Ravlox conundrum um, from Trial Mysterious of Time, Pla- from Mysterious Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got... Uh, uh, Which we- is another really good reference because 
they discover the underground station sign with uh, was it monument or i can't remember I, something which. like that well of course i mean then we have we have sontaran experiment arc in space where mm-hmm. of course the earth is the uh, the earth was the earth has been blasted by you know solar, solar whatever solar flares and you know the the doctor and um, that particular tardis team end up in uh, is it piccadilly Sierra circus or trafalgar square can't remember one of the two in between the two yeah it's it's basically dartmoor but what but there you go <laughs> uh you've got the sun makers where you know everyone moves to pluto right just so that robert holmes can make a point about not paying his taxes um so there's there's plenty i mean i think what's and actually this all this all works fine for me to be honest um and i think um yeah no problems there yeah the fact that yeah you know the 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 history of the universe is 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 a long one Mm -hmm. the earth is around for a long time it's clear that it's been uninhabited and then rehabited again several times during Mm -hmm. its history um i think it was smart to locate the the terror dome whatever it's called the holiday dome Mm -hmm. um in in russia Mm -hmm. um so we don't get mixed up with you know ravlocks um the ravlocks conundrum or the um uh you know or trafalgar square with the experiment or even the hemovores to be honest Mm -hmm. um because all of those things could be happening at the same time as this is happening it could also be happening you know in parallel infernal style different junctures in the multiverse we did introduce that concept earlier in the season this season Right. And so this is all just a different path of Earth. And this is why I really didn't like RTD's uh, insistent on fixed points in time where you right, have all right. these fixed points. I think think fixed points are only there if you want to get back to where you wanted, where you started. So what's interesting to me in this dark future is they got teleported right back to where they came from. So in their travels, this is the future of the Earth for Ryan, for Graham, and Yaz, this is the future that they're headed under. Right, right. And so, with the be best of humanity, the you know the same, the same thing that the Smith Doctor pleaded with Amy when she was negotiating with the Santarans, you know, be the best of humanity. She's pleading again with her companions, and th- that this, you know, again the Doctor on the soapbox at the end, being the best of humanity, try to make the change, but. You know, next week what we're going to do is we're going to go see Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. There, it. I'm not sure that works really well within the confines of this uh, time team. You know, they're not going to go out and be inspired now to go f- try to solve nuclear proliferation or fight climate change or anything like that. They're going to have a, you know, a mix-up adventure with crazy aliens and early 20th century inventors yeah i mean i think that's that's essentially my problem with the speech at the end is the doctor doesn't do like solve actual problems um okay so if the problem is that climate change is going to wreck the planet which you know chances are it probably will at this point um what the doctor needs to do is bring i don't know go into the future get a fusion reactor or something bring it back again show us how to do nuclear fusion job done um just so we can get rid of fossil fuels or whatever so uh, yeah i mean the speech is obviously heartfelt and you know i think certainly it's something that we're all kind of slowly coming to terms with around here is that you know we're going to have to do something at some point it doesn't really sit that well and for the show because the show really doesn't do that that often right. i think we've already talked about this you know i mean i think it's always been smart for 
Doctor Who to avoid World War Two. Um, I guess we didn't do that last week, but right. it was a it was a quick visit. You know, why doesn't the Doctor go and do something about the concentration camps? You know, um, because mm-hmm. that's evil. Um, and I don't know. We could free some people, but because this is what always irritates me. And again, we've talked about this before about this kind of you know, ooh, the future is all fuzzy and the past is all set. Well, that doesn't. The Doctor should be outside of the past and the future. Like, every, mm-hmm. either everything's all set or everything's not set. You can't have one and the other because it's only set because we're sitting right here in 2020. Right. It's only fixed. The reason why she can't go back and do something about the concentration camps is because what we had, like the demons of the Punjab, if she does fix this problem, then her companions, she's not going to get back to where she was. Yaz may cease to exist. or The companions are the fixed points. Right. The companions are the fixed point. If the doctors to safely return the companions to the point in time where they started traveling with her, she can't go back and change history, not one line. Yeah, that's probably how it works. Yeah. But I mean, I think, again, Doctor Who, through the history of the show, we've established that we do wreck the planet at right. some point. I mean, I'm always, um, I always remember the, you know, the great novelization of Doomsday Weapon where Malcolm Hulk, you know, talks, you know, the, the Captain Dent is kind of reminiscing of what life is like back on Earth and it's kind of, you know, right. these cities and the entire planet is just kind of ash and clinker um Mm -hmm. uh, and similarly with um the mutants you know where the earth is exhausted it's destroyed Mm -hmm. so you know we do do this um i mean i i think what what's slightly weird here is that the doctor who's established that it does that the humans do this to the earth you know far into the future uh the implication here with with orphan 55 is that we're going to do it in the next 100 years or so which Mm -hmm. isn't entirely possible in some way so there you go yeah. yeah. Himes weaves together uh, nuclear Armageddon with climate disasters, like climate change leading to nuclear war, right. leading to nuclear war, leading to the dregs, and, of course, the rich escape the planet, that type of uh, science fiction. But right now, there is no planet B. There, <laughs> There isn't any escape for any one of us, and that's... I would have played more on that, that there is no escape. And would it have worked better if they were on an alien, say just the blue people or whatever, leisure hive people or whatever, right. uh, in in on Orphan 55 in this containment area? And what we saw was like mutos or really just uh, radioactive or just humans just really run down mutated with fruit through radiation right uh rather than just being this uh these apex killers uh monsters but just being this is your you know um, what i wonder is if if it get lots in the message is sort of like you can imagine for the type of person let's just let the world burn because now i'm going to be this really cool badass uh killer monster (laughs) you know i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure that worked really well and it was i felt like heim was trying to juggle way too much and it seemed like this story was in in a way a reaction to it takes you away where people were complaining about leaving that young norwegian girl with her abusive father so we had two 
parent-child relationships with uh, young Silas wanting to get appreciation from his father and then running away at the weirdest time. He, they had just escaped from the dregs, and he knew that the dregs were there, and he threw a tantrum. It just didn't fit very well. And then we also had Bella and her mom who... I guess, gave her life to put this uh, resort together, which is really weird, too. Yep. So I think it was both. I, I I feel like it was Ed Heim trying to deal with some of the feedback or criticism he may have heard about it takes you away with that parent-child relationship right. and, saying, and trying to do good by it. But for me, it didn't work. He should have just picked one of those relationships and gone with that and focusing on that like you said there's too many too many balls to juggle with this in 45 minutes to keep keep it all afloat yeah the script needed some editing there should have been a the, the script editor should have edited it well, and I'm... they should have gotten rid of some stuff and punched some other stuff up mm-hmm. and the whole thing and i think you know i think it's great getting a bunch of young directors on board but something that is you know action-packed Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of running around, a lot of explosions, some major creature effects, a lot of CGI, right. a lot of location filming. That's that's a tough job as a director. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. don't feel that this director was up to it. I, it felt kind of choppy and um, uh, panicky all the way through in terms of trying to get all this stuff done to me. I think the panicky might have been a directorial decision that he wanted that off-kilter vibe that these... People were always out on the edge of survival. Well, no. So but... I, 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 I got. I was saying it, it, it felt. It felt. It felt directed in a panicky way. It didn't. I mean, I get that it was trying to be panicky and jittery, um, uh, but I don't think that actually worked that well. I see. I see. Yeah. What What didn't work for me plot wise is why all the survivors would then leave the relative safety of the dome, like hyphen with a three and uh, Silas and Nevi, why they would all go out looking for Benny, why, and the whole time team, and why you would put everyone in the RV and go out from the, the safety of, of this place. It doesn't make sense to me other than for a narrative thing that uh, Himes wanted to slowly kill off people or something. And it, doesn't, and it also doesn't explain how the Laura Frazier's character, Kane, uh, survives the encounter with the... with the dregs when she rescues the doctor that didn't seem to make sense to me why why she would bring (laughs) bring her back for that final scene it just it it, uh, i'm not sure what he was trying to say there i I absolutely agree even though even as as i was watching it i was going like why are they all going out in the bus right um yeah yeah you know they've got this ionic barrier whatever an ionic barrier is doesn't Um, matter doesn't matter (laughs) um you know, some people should stay behind. Stay. Let's let's one one bunch of people stay behind, try and fix the teleport. Mm-hmm. Other people go out in the bus and go and look for Benny. I guess I suppose the dregs have kidnapped Benny in order to like torture him or something. Um, right. Uh, I guess that's what we were supposed to understand. That's pretty grim, and doesn't really fit with like the jolly old couple vibe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, to come on to that, I mean that they that was a kind of a. Badly directed, badly scripted, um, and not particularly well acted couple there who kind of ended up in a sort of horrific situation, um, but weren't really acting as if they were in a horrific situation. Right. And then at the very end, you know, this 
I've got I've got two questions for you. I'm going to ask them as one question: Will you marry me and then kill me? Mm-mm. That's neither funny. It's it's that's just a it just doesn't work. Basically, um, it's right. it's not horrific. It's not funny. It's just kind of like that doesn't make sense. Um, and you know, uh, you know, he should have been I don't know screaming off screen or something if they, he really was being yeah. you know tortured by the dregs. Um, uh, I, yeah, it's, it, it really didn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, I, one of the things that immediately came to mind when they were in the battle bus, whatever it, whatever it's called, um, was Midnight. Mm-hmm. And just how taut and tension-filled that episode is. And, and again, you know, it's, a, it's a different story and it's deliberately, it's a bottle episode, etc., etc., etc. But I was would have really have liked some, just some really tight rescripting of this episode so that it is you know you get that kind of claustrophobia that you got in midnight because this you don't you didn't really get any kind of claustrophobia at all mm-hmm. really um you know the dregs were a threat when they needed to be a threat and they weren't a threat when they didn't need to be a threat which kind of didn't make them really anything at all mm-hmm. um other than you know monsters that like puff their chests out and throw their heads back like wolves and go right. or come in close and dribble at you those are the only two things that they did in the doctor's uh, negotiation at the end logically it made sense for the sake of the story that the doctor would be able to uh talk to this former human or this uh, descendant of humans yeah in a uh, kind of hemovore sort of way yeah. right but i think it probably would have been better to appeal to some kind of uh strand of humanity or something like that, <laughs> rather than, you know, we're going to have you go into this cage and then trap you so we can escape. That didn't, it didn't seem clever. It didn't seem sophisticated. It seemed, we need to give the doctor something doctory to do at the end. This is the best we can yeah. do yeah. Uh, because we need Silas to fix the uh, teleporter so he can have this, uh, moment with his father type bit so and uh, we need it, the emotional bit yeah yeah i mean i i got i got excited for about about 30 seconds when the doctor discovers that the dregs you know they breathe they breathe carbon dioxide and they exhale oxygen i think oh mm-hmm. great yeah like evil trees and like oh yeah okay now she just said that they that they're like evil trees it means they're not actual evil trees i was kind of oh well, maybe they'll be maybe maybe they'll turn out to be tree people or something you know that mm. they are kind of evil trees in some kind of way that you know right. trees have, have have grown legs and become sentient and but they didn't really go with that one either to be mm-hmm. honest um so some clever ideas just not to explore kind, kind of the... kind of what i mean by script editing you know i mean someone needs to sit down and go okay let's list out the 20 or so ideas we've got going on here and let's try and rank them um, and let's, you know, work with the ones that make sense with the plot and get mm-hmm. rid of the ones that don't. Um, uh, you know, the what's the little bug that lived in the vending machine? I can't it was called. Hopper. Now, the, the hopper the hop, virus. Hopper, hopper virus. Um, yeah, I mean, that's very convenient that it does the thing that it does at the end. Right. But so convenient to be ridiculous. Um, yes. Really, yes. because you, you yes. could have you could have worked out another way to do this. Right. I um, guess the hopper virus created the breach in the system. Bella released the hopper virus that created the breach in the systems, which opened up the wall and the in the membrane so that the dregs could get in, so she could blow the thing up. I just wonder if she could do that. Why couldn't she just have blown up the whole system, evacuated all the people, and then blown up the system? 
it's yeah. itself. It because uh, Doctor Who needs a monster. Yeah, and you know, even on a very kind of basic. I guess we should find something positive to say at some point. I mean, said it was a good enough episode. It was vaguely enjoyable. Um, you know, this is a this is a some kind of society that has the massively, massively useful technology of teleportation, right? Uh, and it can teleport literally using someone assembling a cube, six coupons, <laughs> yeah, from you know light years away, and it can teleport that person directly into a small point on a planet right um, that is some pretty amazing technology right. and if you've got the ability to teleport in that way then you've got the ability to get yourself pretty much out of any trouble that you're in mm -hmm. um, which means then you have to spend the entire episode working trying to work out ways that you can be in trouble or actually just forget that you can teleport unless it's necessary for you to get back because you've broken your battle bus a lot of convenient obstacles put in the way for the sake of a story without really much of a story to say, really without really much of a story other than we want to deliver the message about nuclear proliferation and climate change at the very end. And Which, you know, Doctor Who has already done on like any number of occasions. Well, it um, obviously hasn't gotten through though yet. <laughs> <laughs> like every episode, the Doctor's going to turn to the camera and go, come on, everyone. Snap out Come of on, it. snap out of it. Save the planet, right? Now back to the story. <laughs> well, a more subtle performance, like if you can even call Tom Baker's performance in Tear of the Zygons <laughs> subtle, where he goes, oil, in emergency, you know. Right. <laughs> that was what, 1975? And yes, we've been doing this for a while we have green death we've had these stories and uh i, I read one commentary out uh, out this evening right. that uh, this person knows all this stuff is going on and it is horrible and it is is there but he goes to doctor who for some sense of escape and hope and adventure he's not sure that this was really a helpful uh helpful way and he uh, I, I don't know if he was trying to be sarcastic or not, but he called the doctor at the end space Greta Thunberg. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I agree with what the doctor's saying. I think there's a sense of urgency. It's the Doctor Who, as I, I think I said weeks ago, doesn't work very well with this time period because we are in a place where we really need a Time Lord to come in and save us, but really we're on our own. We're more... Uh, Torchwood Children of Earth, where the Doctor right. isn't around, and we have to save ourselves, and there are no there are no good uh, solutions. Yeah. yeah, there are no good options. Everything is going to have uh, a cost. There are going to be trade offs. You know, Children of Earth. There's four, five, six in in our current predicament. We have nihilists and end timers running the U.S. government. Uh, we have uh, ceded power to corporations for, uh, you know, climate change and with pollution, and we have a whole continent on fire. And Australia is the biggest exporter of coal on the planet. They're the only thing that their economy's got going for it. And and the doctor is right in saying we're arguing about who's cleaning up the dishes when our house is on fire. Okay, then what? We're going to go have a battle with Nikola Tesla, or we're going to help uh, Tesla fight aliens. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't really. It doesn't. It's not. It's not that kind of polemical show. Um, and actually, to be honest, you know, if we were relying on a kids' TV show to kind of shock us out of our climate complacency, Stupor. 
yeah. then um, we really are screwed. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's not actually necessary. If you yeah. see what I mean, and I think mm-hmm. actually, to be honest, um, certainly talking to my kids, I mean, kids kind of already know this, and they mm-hmm. don't need a TV show to tell them. Right. If you speak to kind of anyone under twenty, they're already completely aware that something's got to give at some point, and it's going to be their job. Right. Um, uh, and I and I said, you know, that, that's where the, that that's what the Greta Thunberg thing is. Yeah, she is. She is voicing what a lot of young people believe, mm-hmm. and so again, and, and the, rightfully, the, the, and rightfully too, and, and rightfully so. Exactly, the doctor's message is is already been heard by you know the audience for the show, and for people like you and me who are you know complicit in kind of wrecking the place in the first place. Right, um, we kind of don't need it basically because um, uh, you know we're we're already. Um, we're already the villains. We're, um, we're already the problem. We're already the problem. Yeah, I think so. if we were going to do a climate episode and we wanted to do it in an entirely sci-fi way, I would have had the doctor perhaps visit Venus with runaway climate change and right. uh, some some story around the Venusians. Or just had like, you know, a rando planet, you know, the planet of the green-haired people or something or whatever, and they've knackered their planet through runaway climate change and now they're having to deal with it mm-hmm. you know it didn't have to be i mean you know it's nice to oh it's it's earth it was earth all along um you right. know you you blew it up whatever what, remember what the end of <laughs> end of planet of the apes planet is. of the apes well he could have yaz just going you maniacs you warmed it all <laughs> up, warmed it up. <laughs> and then i don't know have a big you know a, like a broken kremlin or something in the background whether they were a long way away from them um from moscow um yeah, it's not really it's not really necessary, um, and I think I think that I think Doctor Who works a lot better through the use of metaphor in drama than it does in terms of like okay, this is what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you are all going to be dregs because actually we kind of know that, and you know what, it's going to be worse than us all becoming dregs. Because right. actually being a drag is kind of fun. You get to torture Benny. You get to run around. <laughs> you get to go, ah, and puff out your Roar, chest and w- right. wave your hands in the air. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Um, and it's not going to be as cool as that. No, it's going to be hell. It's going to be awful. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Not a cold open. I guess they did have a cold open with the deep space squid that they left in the TARDIS with a tentacle or something like that. They could have been that. Could have been the cold open right before they put uh, Graham put the teleport tube together, but they decided to munge it all together. So I guess the uh, coming and going of the cold open is going to be a thing this series twelve. Now here's the thing. I mean, you on Twitter very very well. The Metabolist two, which is actually you um, on Twitter. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, very, very appositely pegged this episode as being a potential, you know, Power of Crawl <laughs> was, yeah. sequel, which it totally could have been because the Power of Crawl is like planet is being, well, asked, you know, moon is being mined for its hydrocarbons. Um, mm-hmm. Natives are being destroyed, like ancient creature comes up and like tries to insult, you know, that's that's a climate change metaphor right there. You know, <laughs> if, this had, if this had actually been returned to Crawl, and I'm not joking... There, there was the. I mean, no one would have, no one apart from us, all ancient fans would have understood it. But you know, you could have come up with a very, very smart and relevant and connected to the past climate change metaphorical episode uh, by by just doing a power of crawl sequel. <laughs> really, you really could. I mean, you shouldn't, 
but you could have done and it would have been it would have been just as effective as this was to be honest mm -hmm. i think a lot of writers and a lot of people perhaps myself included think we're beyond metaphor but the sledgehammer doesn't seem to work either no. so how do you how do you depolarize something that shouldn't have been polarized in the first place but it's been polarized through four decades of heavily funded political lobbying by corporations and political parties to make it into a political issue went really the planet is burning up we have to change and we're not doing it quick enough we're not yet. we're not doing it quick enough and we're not doing what what it needs what we need to do and we're doing stupid things and not dealing with what we really need to be doing is <laughs> you know getting off carbon and uh, restricting air travel etc yeah, and I think Doctor Who in the past, everyone complain, you know, all the kind of, you know, not my doctor types on Twitter, like, you know, complaining about how Doctor Who's all political now. Well, you know what, you know, Doctor Who's has consistent, consistently said that the planet is screwed and that giant corporations are evil um, and mm -hmm. that politicians are only in it for themselves. That right. is, because has been a consistent message of Doctor Who over certainly you know at least six, since the 70s at least since the 70s and i you know as you as you quite rightly pointed out it hasn't really changed anything um but it has be, at least been a consistent message mm -hmm. and to imagine that all of a sudden doctor who is like so what, what i'm saying is one you know it hasn't suddenly become political and two it's always dealt with that politics through kind of metaphor and far future illusion rather than the doctor standing up at the end of the show and saying merry christmas to all you at home and by the way start wrecking the planet um so that's it's just not necessary basically it's just not necessary well it uh, whether it's necessary well, it or not necessary, it's not it's, you know, it's not it's effective not, doesn't make any sense it's, yeah it's, well, it's not it's not, just yeah, not, it's not effective. effective it's just yeah. not effective and it's a shame because Edheim had some really funny bits with, with the doctor being able to handle the hopper virus and then telling telling Ryan they're not real bats and then he's swatting at the air and bit and then yeah. when he and Bella were trying to connect they were talking about their dead parents and so Yaz going yeah Ryan what you talking about and Ryan just simply says that we both have dead parents and you know it kind of shut down Yaz there's some real dark humor that Heim's was playing with but maybe humor would have worked better in this episode if it was a funnier episode with uh right. of climate change episode three of this uh series had a really hard act to follow with the debut of the master and sasha Dewan. right and it invariably was going to be a letdown fandom's expectations were uh, very elevated and with Chibnall, the uh, way he plays this, the majority of people got this wrong. They thought the kid was the orphan rather than it's, the, it's Orphan 55 being the planet Earth. So the expectation games were not managed correctly by the production team. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I mean, the publicity kind of trailed this like huge surprise Oh, um, yeah. In the, in the episode, you know, which I guess has got us all on our seats going like, well, there's going to be a huge surprise. Cool. Um, maybe the master will come back or, you know, maybe it'll be. And we, we were, you know, we were, I guess, because it's an escapist show. We're like hoping for like a Doctor Who themed surprise. 
rather than a, it was Earth all along and, uh, you know, unless we get our act together, we're screwed. Right. That's not really a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like, it's a downer is what it is. And unfortunately, you know, our, our podcast this week is also turning into a bit of a downer because the the end message of this particular episode is like it's a downer mm-hmm. as again as you pointed out with your with your reading of people on twitter saying well kind of you know i actually want doctor who to try and like forget about some of this stuff um whether that's a sensible idea or not to, to try and forget about some of this stuff it you know for 45 minutes each week maybe it would be nice yeah well so yeah let's leave it there then i think all from 55 yeah so next week, uh, Nikola Tesla. Tesla versus Edison versus Space Scorpions. Yep, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Is Nikola Tesla going to be a baddie or a goodie? Oh, he definitely is a good guy. He's always the goodie, isn't he, mm-hmm. Nikola Tesla? It's always Thomas Edison who gets the short stick and is the baddie. Mm. Well, uh, we'll see if that holds up. <laughs> I'm hoping that Thomas Edison pulls off his mask and reveals himself as the master. <laughs> <laughs> with my alternating current or whatever it was I have direct current can't remember which is which my direct current I will <laughs> anyway so how many ACDC uh, soundtrack riffs do you think Sagan Akinola all the way will... through it'll be thunderstruck yeah, yeah well it's yeah back in back black, black highway, highway to hell, to hell. hell's yeah, bells it, it's, yep. it's gonna be like that Agatha Christie episode all over again they're just gonna put ACDC references like in the in the script all the way through there yeah. you go you heard it you, you heard, heard it here first, first. yeah yeah. On that note, thank you for listening to episode 140 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been talking about Orphan 55 with Ben. And I have been talking about Orphan 55 with David. And talk to you next week. Goodbye. my name barf barf what are you i'm a mog half man half dog i'm my own best friend